0: Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast. For more information about... Thank you for listening. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Numbers. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Numbers chapter 14, 13, sorry. Numbers chapter 13. God's calling you into a new season. <laughs> God's calling you into a new place. I said, God's calling you into a new season. He's calling you into a new place. He's calling you higher. You know, last week we talked about if you can just get your eyes to a higher level that he's called you as a pioneer. He's called you to take territory. And it's not just, not just territory in, in, in your own life. You know, we, we start hearing words like this and we start thinking about, Oh, God's called me to this goal or to accomplish this thing or this ministry, but but just take, just get your eyes up a little bit higher. He's called you to take territory in our region he's called you to take spiritual ground tell somebody next to you he's called me to take spiritual ground come on tell some tell the other person on your other side he's called you to take spiritual ground I, some of you, I know you're here this morning and you hear that and you say, well, pastor, I can't even make my bed in the morning. How on earth can, how on earth can he have me tell you? I just want you to get up. You're called to be a pioneer. He's called you to inhabit a new land, a new place and to take territory. My goodness, I, I think about Jesus who was who was at the cross. The Bible says, who, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher, who what for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He was in one territory. He was on Golgotha, but he was looking at another territory. He was, he was looking, he was here, seeing what was happening in the natural, but he saw what the Father was doing in the spiritual. If you can just get your eyes Adjusted this morning, you might be in a place in a territory where you say, "God, I don't understand what you're accomplishing in this season." But if you can look higher, look to Jesus, who, for the joy that was set before Him, enduring the cross, despising His shame. If you can get your eyes where He sees, you can see the spiritual ground, the the territory that you're taking, you're advancing today. You're it, it might be a baby step. You You might feel like you're advancing just a little bit at a time. But my God, you're taking territory. I wish somebody would help me this morning. You're just taking baby steps, but God's bringing you into a new place. Say, I'm getting out of the old. That wasn't everybody. Say, I'm getting out of the old. God's calling me into the new. Joshua was... Dealing with a bunch of people, if we fast forward, we're, we're in Numbers 13, talking about Moses. But if you fast forward into Joshua, he, he was dealing with a group of people who, who had walked through the wilderness. They had watched the seniors. They had watched their fathers, their mamas, their aunties, their uncles all die in the wilderness. Forty years they had gone around wandering in the wilderness. They had watched it. And now they were coming into a promised land. There was a leader. Moses had been the type of leader that he was face to face with God. He had seen the miracles. He was the one being told where to go and what to do. And now there was a new leader that God had raised up. And he said it's time for the people to inhabit their promised land. And if they're going to inhabit, they've got to become people who are willing to take territory, who are willing to take... It's not just about Moses, my servant. There's got to be some people who will possess a land, who will go in and kill the giants, who will tear down the Jericho walls and advance for the kingdom's sake. I don't know. Maybe there's some people here this morning who say it's not just my pastor's job. It's not just the worship team's It's my job to go in and possess the promise, the territory that God has called me to. I don't need to just rely on all the cutesy little leadership things all around me, and I'm going to be a better man. I'm taking territory for myself. I don't know. Maybe there's a Joshua and a Caleb in the room who would say, I've been around this thing for 40 years. I was at day one when God said, send spies into the land. I went into the land. I saw what was there. I tasted the fruit. I ate the food. I saw the cities. And I said from day one, God's giving me this territory. And maybe there's just some Joshua and Caleb's in the room who would say, God has given me this promised land. God has given me the Great Lakes. God has given me my family. God has given me this region. God has given me this. My God, God, I am not settling until you give me my promise. I'm going to preach myself happy if nobody else does. <laughs> God's bringing you into a new season. And he's raising up people who will take their giants, who will take their land, who won't settle. So it's too hard. It's too hard. There's too many obstacles. There's too many... My goodness, I, I when I go to battle, when I go into moving into the territory that God's called me to, I don't wanna be surrounded by a wimpy, bunch of wimpy Christians. I want some people who know how to pray. I want some people who know how to take authority. I want some people who know how to stand on the word of God and say, God said, he's giving me this land. I'm not settling for anything else. I don't know if there's anybody in this room that's like that. I don't hear them this morning. I want some people who are around me who will say, Pastor, I know what God has spoken over our church. I know that God has spoken a promise over our church that we're going to see Great Lakes awakening and we're not going to settle for anything. I want some people who are going to stand with me and say, Pastor, we're moving into that. I don't care what everybody else says, but we're going into the promised land. We'll stand on the word. We'll stand and declare, this is what God has said. My goodness, I might get happy this morning. (laughs) Going in, they departed, verse 26 of Numbers 13. The spies had gone into the land, and they came back, and they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron, and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. (laughs) Everything that God said to you about this land, it's true. But (laughs) that's what nevertheless means but the people who dwell in the land are strong the cities are fortified and very large moreover we saw the descendants of Anak the giants there the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south the Hittites the Jebusites the Amorites the mosquito bites they all dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites, they all dwelt. That's in the new American standard version, the mosquito bites. Thank you. Along the banks of the Jordan. People are all in a upheaval. Well, you got this problem, you got that problem. Have you thought it? Here they've come, the spies have come back, and they've said, this is what God's going to do, this is what God said. And then immediately, well, you got this problem, and you got this problem, and you got this problem, and you got... Have you ever been around people like that who you say, God said, and immediately they're, well, what about this? 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 Hey, listen, it doesn't mean that they're wrong. These spies weren't wrong. The Jebusites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the uh, descendants of Anak, they're all there. They weren't lying. They They had an adequate evaluation of the land. There was nothing wrong with their assessment. What was wrong was when they said, we can't do it. So when people come your way and and you've heard the vision of the Lord and you know that God has spoken and the first thing they want to say to you is what about, what about, what about, what about. Don't turn a deaf ear to that. There's, There's some wisdom there. How you respond to that is key. Will you respond out of faith? Oh yeah, we've got some issues to do. But God said, let's keep reading. They go on, what about, what about, what about, what about, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people. They were going on and on and on and on. And Caleb says, let us go up at once. Let's don't waste any time. Let us go right now and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we. And they... And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You, you, 12 of y'all, just went out into the land and came back. You is standing here with fruit, it didn't eat you. Isn't it funny how we make things, we, w- when fear sets in, we see things that aren't real. Yeah. Yeah. It inhabits, it, it, fear, it, a fear response, it devours. The land. Well, the only thing that you're being ate up with is fear. And then they go on and they say, there are, oh, these, these people, we saw, they're men of great stature. We saw giants there. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And you just, it's dripping. It's oozing with anxiety and fear. You can, it's just, you can hear it. Verse, uh, chapter 14, verse one, it says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. All night long. All night they were weeping and crying over this. And the children, of they couldn't sleep. Anxiety and fear. They couldn't sleep. I'm just speaking to somebody this morning. The anxiety and fear riddled their heart over what God was calling them to do to such a level that they couldn't even rest. They couldn't even sleep. It was affecting their ability to rest. They were in turmoil. Watch what happens as the turmoil continues. This is, I, I'm not going to dwell here, but I, I wanna do, do want to paint a picture for you of, of the effects of fear. Fear. I don't. I want. I don't want to dwell on fear this morning, but I I do want to point out to you the storyline of what's happening and how fear and anxiety will affect you. They couldn't. They were argumentative. They were. They were attacking one another. They were stuck on the impossibilities. They were seeing things that weren't true. They were exaggerating the truth. And it keeps getting better. Verse 2. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us out to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Who said anything about them dying by the sword and their wives and children becoming victims? Now they're attacking their leadership. The people that God had placed in their life to guide them into truth, they're now attacking. Woo, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's go after pastor. I've got issues, but it's pastor's fault. Bless the Lord. (laughs) be better for us to die in Egypt. You want to die a slave? You liked it when people were beating you and starving you? For 400 years. That's what they're saying. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Another thing that fear and anxiety does. A rebellion. Not only will you talk bad, and if you continue down that path, you want to raise up somebody who will tickle your itching ears with you. Oh yeah, we need it's, the, it's that root of bitterness and offense that starts spreading. Oh, yeah, we need a new leader. This, this Moses and Aaron are not cut out for the job. Let's move on. We, we can't do this. We're done with this. We're angry. We're fearful. And all of a sudden, it's everybody else's fault. This is a great picture of what happens with fear and anxiety. Maybe you're here this morning and you see some of these symptoms reflected in your own heart. Examine yourself. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. (laughs) We can't take it anymore, God. (laughs) We need help. Verse 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes... And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, this is a good one to underline. Verse 8. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. This land isn't devouring us. We're going to eat their lunch. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said, stone them. Stone them. God was moving. He was getting them into a position for the miraculous. And their fear became an obstacle. God was bringing them into a new place, a new season, new people. And he was moving them in. And their fear stopped them in their tracks. Joshua and Caleb, we can do it. God is with us. He's given us the land. We're going to eat their lunch. We're moving forward. And the response, stone the leaders. Verse 10 and all the congregation said, stone them. And God responds. Why does God respond? Because they would have done exactly what they said they were going to do they would have stoned the leaders. They were such an upheaval, there was such a stir, so much fear, so much anxiety over what God was saying that they were ready to stone Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb. And God comes down. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. You know you've ticked God off. (laughs) He's come down and he's going to meet with you. That's exactly what he did. And of course, we know the rest of the story. The ten spies that stirred the people, they all died. And the judgment of God was that they were going to wander for 40 years. And everyone who complained about... The word of the Lord died in the wilderness. It's interesting to me that these are the folks that God took care of in the middle of the wilderness. I would have said, okay, you're done. Have fun roaming 40 years. I'll give you, for 40 days they spied out the land, so for 40 years you'll wander and roam. I'm not going to do a thing for you. Have fun. That's not what God did. He took care of them. And even the soles of their shoes didn't wear out. They had food that followed them. They had water that followed Everything Everything they needed. In the middle of their rebellion, God took care of everything they needed. I want to take a look at some of the observations here that we can learn from the spies. Number one, God guaranteed their victory at the very beginning. of Numbers chapter 13, verse 2, he says to Moses, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to you. There was no question about God's intent from the very beginning. He eventually gave it to their descendants. But, but there was no question that he was giving them the land. What territory has God promised to you and I and to our church that he has given to us? It is assured the victory is Guaranteed. We may not be able to see it in our natural, but friends, that's what faith is. Faith is the guarantee of what God has promised. It's the ability to see it even though the natural eyes cannot see it. My natural eyes can't touch it. My natural hands can't grasp a hold of it. But by faith, it's more real than the things I can touch and see and smell all around me. Faith makes the spiritual world a reality, and that's, what, that's where God wants you to operate, is in this place of faith to recognize the victories that he's given you. Now listen, I know you can shout me down this morning and tell me amen, but when you walk out those doors and you stare your family in the face or that situation in your face, are you bold enough to stand there and say, by faith, God's given me victory. God's given me victory. Like Joshua and Caleb, God's given me victory over this sin. Now, I, that comes From the Spirit of the Lord at work on the inside of you. You've got to remind yourself of that word. You've got to stand on that word. The Holy Spirit makes the word of God alive on the inside of you. That victory is tangible. It's real because of the word of God. The word of the Lord becomes more real to you than the word of your enemy. Our trouble is is that we listen to the voice of the enemy more than we listen to the voice of God. We listen to those who will gossip and say things and talk, and we've got to listen to the voice of the Lord. Victory was assured from the beginning. The spies were too busy determining how their skills would bring about the victory. They were too focused on their abilities, what they possessed in comparison to what was already in the promised land, their, their enemies that were there, the obstacles that were there. They were focused on, well, I don't have, I, we don't have any giants, so how are we going to kill the giants? We don't have any weapons. How are we going to deal with this land? When God was saying, I'll handle the victory. I'll take care of everything that you need to fight those fights. You've just got to get moving. The, if you fast forward, we were talking about Joshua earlier. When, when Joshua went into the promised land and he finally had the people ready to go, what did he say? He went throughout the camp. He said, get ready, we're going in three days. Get your house ready. Get everything in order. We're going in three days. And the first thing that went out before the people was the ark of the presence of God. The same God who had met them at the Red Sea was now meeting them at the Jordan River. And the minute that the priest's foot went into the water, the waters separated. Step one, driven by the presence of the Lord. Everything that they were doing to walk into the promised land was driven by God's presence and His word. I'll say that again. You need to hear it. Everything that they needed, every step along the way, the whole entire process to get into the promise of God was driven by His Word and His presence. If we're not careful, we'll get focused on what we lack and the obstacles that are ahead and miss what God's doing right here among us. What is God saying today? What's happening? Listen, I, I, I know I, I'm speaking to somebody this morning. You're, 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 you see what's ahead. You see the word of the Lord. You, you, you're so driven on what God's spoken. But if you're not careful, you can miss what he's saying in the moment today. If you're not careful... You can get so wrapped up in getting into your promise that you miss his presence. Everything they did, the step. And what happens? That distraction begins when we become focused on what we have or what we don't have. Instead of what God is doing and saying in the moment. Is this helping anybody this morning? Two of you? Praise the Lord. They were behind enemy lines, number two. They were, God gave them favor behind enemy lines. I, I think it's so funny. They said, the land devours us. But yet God had given them favor when they were in the land that supposedly was going to devour them. They were hanging out with the enemy, and God protected them. I, I got news for you. If, you. if you come in to spy on, on, uh, on our land... Somebody's going to know about it and they're going to watch I don't know any of the government you know acronyms that are out there I'm sure they're watching though if a spy comes into our country they're, you know hope they're watching but but here they are these obviously don't fit you got israelites giants do you follow? They stand out in the land. You've got the, the Israelites who are roaming through. They're, they're evaluating their military strength. They're evaluating the people. They're evaluating the cities. They're evaluating the food. And yet God gives them favor behind enemy territory. Uh, And yet they're they're worried about whether or not they're going to get success. They're worried about whether or not they're going to be able to achieve the victory that God's called them to when they go into the promised land. While I was yet an enemy, I was roaming around in enemy territory. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, while I was still an enemy of God, Christ died for me. I still had the stench, the smell of the enemy camp on me. I was looking like the enemy, and God found me. He put his hand upon me. He, his favor was resting upon me in the enemy's territory, and he brought me out. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying this morning. I, I, you, you've been in church too long. You, you got your church shoes on this morning and thinking you're so special. I, I don't know. But, but there was a point where you, you smelled like the enemy. You were hanging out in enemy territory, and the favor of God was upon your life. He spared you. He kept you alive. You didn't, need, you didn't deserve it the very air that you were breathing was a was a detest to the very holiness of God but but he sustained you he kept you he kept your foot from falling he kept you from falling into the pit of hell he sustained your life and pulled you Out of the enemy's territory and kept you. So the same God that has spared you and kept you in the enemy's territory is the same God who can bring you victory today. He brought you victory over your sin. He brought you victory over your addiction. He brought you victory over your flesh. It's the same God who's going to bring you victory into the place he's called you to. If God If God could break the power of sin over your life. If God could deliver you from the sin and the issues of your life. Now you don't want to hear this. (laughs) If God could deliver you and break the power of addiction. The power of sin off of your life. That same God can bring you victory in every area of your life. My God, somebody needs to shout. Maybe it's, maybe your shouter isn't working this morning because you're too busy looking at what you don't have. Maybe your your shout is diminished today because you're not operating in, in faith, but you're stuck in fear. I woulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda, and wish I did have. My God, get out of that mess. If this, God can bring you out. Same God that saw you in the enemy's territory when you were lost in sin and put favor marked you they said you don't look you shouldn't be hanging out here you don't fit in with this crowd you shouldn't be hanging out at the bar you shouldn't be smoking dope and doing all these what's wrong with you you don't fit in here you were marked with favor and didn't even know it and God brought you out of that mess my God somebody knows what I'm talking about this morning God brought you out of that mess. He had favor on your life and brought you out, brought you into victory. It's the same God. When you're looking at that promised land and saying, there's a bunch of giants in that land, there's a bunch of obstacles in that land, it's the same God. I march you. I put my favor on your life. I haven't left you. I haven't left you the same blood that was applied on your life. That broke the power of sin is the same power. There's same power going to deal with these obstacles that are in front of you. Yeah. The favor of God was on him. Philippians 3.20 says, my citizenship is in heaven. I'm part of a heavenly world. I'm just passing through. I'm, I'm roaming around in present day enemy territory, but my citizenship is in heaven. I'm walking through this world, and I'm marked with the favor of God. I'm marked with the blessing of the Lord. I don't say that, that that's not pride, I'm just telling you as it is. The favor of God is on my life. The blessing of the Lord is, I attract the presence, the blessing of the Lord, not because of anything that I've done, but His anointing. He's painted me with His favor and His blessing. I attract the blessing, I'm walking in His favor, in enemy territory right now. I'm walking in my promised land. I'm walking in the blessing of the Lord. I'm spying out the territory that God's called me to possess. They were walking around. These spies were walking around in Canaan. Checking out the fruit. There's some nuts too checking out the land you and I are walking around Canaan every day I want you to just see this we're walking around every day have, have we obtained all that God has promised for us? No there's still more. There's still more. But I'm walking around Canaan every day. I've been called out. I've been called out. I've been but I'm walking in the church, the ecclesia, the call out. I'm called out. I've been called out by the Lord. I've been marked with his favor. But I'm walking in I'm walking in his blessing. I'm walking in his anointing. I'm walking in the territory he's called me to possess. Don't miss the moment that you're in right now. I think we can get so focused sometimes on where God's bringing us to. And what God wants to do next. That we miss that we're even in Canaan. Just slow down and say, Let's deal with Jericho. Let's take a step at a time. Bless you. God has great things ahead. I'm going to go wash off now. Where's your hanky when you need it? Here it is. Number three, we are not of those who shrink back, but we are of those who advance. In Hebrews, it says we are not to shrink back and be destroyed, but we are those who are of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that by faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured seeing he who is unseen. We advance, we set our eyes on Christ, and we keep moving forward. We do not shrink back. We do not move backwards, but we keep moving forwards. We don't allow the voice of the enemy to taunt us to move backwards. Number four, as a man thinks, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. I think it's so interesting. Their response, the land devours us. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight. They didn't get a report from a giant. Are you Were they like grasshoppers? No, this was their own perception. They saw the exaggerated truth about themselves. Instead of magnifying God, they were magnifying their own insecurities, their own fears. God said he had given them the land, but they were focused on their own fears and they saw themselves and what they were lacking When God calls you into a new place and he's doing a new thing, oftentimes you can become more aware of your own insecurities and what you lack versus what God is saying. The fear of that lack of control. Well, if if I start moving into this, then... I don't know where I'm headed. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm going to lose control. must be a lot of those folks here this morning. Yeah. Or that fear of, what if they don't like me? What if I get into the land and the giants just don't like me? You're getting ready to cut off their head, buddy. They're not going to like you. <coughs> not everybody's going to like you. <laughs> And you're not always going to be in control. Or those people who don't like change. Oh. If, if we go into the promised land, then that means I, I've got to get out of the wilderness. I like my wilderness. <laughs> I mean, after all, I'm getting food every day and, the, and God's pillar of cloud and fire. I mean, look, it's pretty good. We're in the wilderness, but it's pretty good. It's good living. Just don't change my routine. Don't don't mess with what I'm used to. I like my demons. I like my filth. I like my issues. Don't mess with. I'd rather hang out let me just stay in the wilderness and watch everybody die. Don't change. We allow our insecurities and fear to rise up. And Joshua and Caleb said, the Lord is with us. The Lord is pleased with us. He will bring us into the land. What has God said? The spies rejected the word of God and they embraced their fears as reality. Psalm 68 says, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of the Lord. Does that paint a picture for you or what? Like smoke driven away. God at his enemies. And we're worried that we look like grasshoppers. And God's saying, I hold them in the palm of my hand. They had watched the Egyptian soldiers drown in the sea. And here they are, back to their fear and their doubt and their worry. Ah, I can't believe this. Giants. We were like grasshoppers. Oh my gosh. They can step on us and crush us. And God's saying, I can blow and they'll be gone in a moment. I control. When you begin to look at the obstacles that are in front of you, don't don't listen to the voice of those fears and insecurities. Listen to the word of God. Stand on the word of the Lord. Speak the word of God over your life. You know, sometimes you've got to speak the word. You may not feel that faith in the moment. You're you're still, sometimes you're battling between fear and insecurity and faith. And you're standing there saying, God said he's given me the land. And you're like, g- 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 God, God s- said he's given me the land. And you're shaking in your boots because you know what that means. You know that the reality, your brain is kind of processing this. I got to let go of these fears and got to... Ch- ch- Trust God and get, but if you can just let go. Listen, that's why Joshua said, let's do it now. Stop wavering. Stop messing around. Get up there and go. God's given us the land. God said, go. Then we go. We did our 40 day inspection. Now it's time to get up and go and take the land. There'll be a time for you to assess. But when God says it's time to go, you go. Otherwise, you'll find yourself still back here wavering, shrinking back little by little. You know, it's so interesting. I see this a lot of times in ministry. People say, oh, yeah, I believe God's doing this. And God spoke to me this. And, and you say, great, go for it. And then you never see them respond. And little by little, instead of fast forward ahead, it's slowly in reverse. Oh, yeah, God gave me. This dream, this vision, I'm gonna reach my city. I'm gonna, I'm called to ministry. I'm, oh yeah. And if you're not careful, it's slowly in reverse. When God said, move forward and take the land. Does that mean that it's always immediately gonna be milk and honey? No, no, they had Jericho to deal with. They had issues to deal with once they got in the promised land. They had to possess the land. Sometimes when you start off on this journey, you've got to do things to possess the land. If God's called you to do something, you know, if God's called you to, to reach the world and be a millionaire, bless the Lord, whatever it is, you've got to start with your ten dollars. Oh yeah, God's called me to finance the, I love when people say that. God's called me to finance the end time harvest. Great. Get a job. <laughs> That's so true. I've heard that so many times and people just can't even hold down a steady job. It's, I, will, I will gladly take your money. You can finance my ministry. I love it, but get a job. Number five, fight the right battle. The spies, instead of fighting the battle that was ahead, started fighting the battle that was. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. Let's let's find a leader who will take us back to Egypt. Wrong battle. That battle was already won. You were already brought out in victory. Why would you want to go back and fight that battle? When God brings, you know, this so interesting. When the presence of the Lord comes and, and, and the light of the gospel begins to illuminate our heart and we begin to see things like we've never seen before, all of a sudden... If we're not careful, well, that's a little uncomfortable, Pastor. It's a little uncomfortable. I don't. God starts bringing up our past, our hurts, our rejections. Not because He wants to hurt us. He wants to deal with us. Yeah. He wants us to walk in freedom. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we'll end up back here fighting the wrong battle. Well, let's go back to where it was comfortable. I I can go back to to church where there's no conviction. I can go back to to not worshiping or not reading my Bible. I can can just slowly back myself out of the presence of the Lord. Because when he comes, he starts convicting. He starts. He wants to move me forward. And I'm not so sure I want to go that way. He wants to bring me into the promised land. He wants to bring me into breakthrough. He wants to bring me into... Victory victory means I've got to deal with this stuff. Victory means I've got to take up my 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 gospel sword and begin to cut things out of my life that don't belong there. Come on, somebody. I'm, having victory in my life means I've got to pick up the, the weapon of my warfare and stop trying to fight everybody else and start cutting out the issues of my own heart. Dealing with the the man or the woman that's looking back at me in the mirror instead of fighting everybody else. And if we're not careful, we'll just start doing the electric slide right on back. Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know about that, Jesus. Don't mess with that. I, I liked it when you said I was going to be victorious, Pastor. I didn't like it when you said, I got to deal with the issues of my own heart. And that's what God's after. That's where the victory begins. And that's really where he was after with these spies. Will they walk in faith? Remember their names? My goodness, the names of these guys that were were going out, were just their names were a testimony to the, the miracle power of God. And instead of standing on the promise of God that they'd seen in their own life, even as individuals, they were shrinking back in fear. Can, can I just maybe point out something there? Is that a, a personal victory does not always translate into corporate victory. We need to hand out allergy medicine when people come into the church. All these people sneezing this morning. It's dusty in here. I'll say that again. A personal victory does not always translate into a corporate victory. Sometimes we experience God in a personal, very intimate way. But if you're not able to recognize what God's doing personally and how that translates into a corporate setting, you can disconnect. It's, it's like being, you know, um, God says we're, we're going as a church to possess the Great Lakes region. Yeah. And that is, that is, man, that's what we're doing. If you hadn't noticed... It's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Step by step. Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. But if you're not careful, well, God, God saved me. I was such a sinner. So far from Jesus. and Thank God He saved you. But you can begin to isolate yourself from the body. And say, well, God saved me. Look how... Look how clean I am. Look at how great the victory is that God brought in my life. I'm so holy. And disconnect yourself from the body. And not understand how what God's done in your life translates within the body. You have been designed. Everybody, give me your listening ears. This is so important. If you get nothing else I say today, please please get the whole message. But this is important. You were designed to function within the body. Yeah. Whether you're a pinky toe or an earlobe, you were designed to function within the body. Yeah. What God has done within you personally impacts the entire body. Yeah. If God has worked a miracle in your life, it affects the whole body. Tell your story. Tell somebody about the goodness of the Lord. It doesn't mean you have to have this to tell it. You don't want this. It doesn't mean that you have to have this to tell your story. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be the person up frontly. Just be who God's called you to be in the body. Don't be the naysayer. That's stuck off over on the side, always grumpy and complaining about why we can't and why no one else should and keep everybody in a place of fear. Don't shout me down. You want to be the person that's full of faith, saying like Joshua and Caleb, God is pleased with us. Let's go take our mountain. God has given us this land. Let's move. Today's the day. Let's move. Let's advance. God's given us our enemy. We don't want to be those who shrink back and say, "Mm, Hey, did you hear what pastor said? I don't know about this. I don't like what he said. I don't like his vision. I don't like what God's doing in our church. I don't like what that looks like. If you're not careful, God will strike you down. So we have to guard against that. I'm just being I'm just being very practical today is that okay? You have to guard against the desire that that carnal nature to grumble and complain. Yeah. If you're not careful, you will you will find yourself grumbling and complaining about what God wants you to do. Not because you're some horrible person, but that's because it's in your carnal nature. It's in your carnal nature to be fearful and insecure and doubt. It's why it's wired in. It's all part of that old man. It is. It's there. It's there, honey. Just take a look. It's there. I promise. It's there. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself stuck in that old carnal way of doing things. Or you can be, this is what God said. We're moving forward. fight the right battle. Number six. God held each man responsible for their tribe. Each person, each leader that went was held responsible. You will be held responsible for the climate you create. (laughs) Well, if people aren't worshiping like you think they should be worshiping, lead the way and worship. Yeah. Well, people aren't serving how I think they should be serving. Then serve. Yeah. People don't give how they, I think they should be given. Give. Yeah, so. Yeah. So joy. So love. Well, people just aren't friendly to me. I love that. That just gets me all the time. Anytime anybody starts complaining and starts saying anything, well, this there, that or whatever... That doesn't happen, by the way, that doesn't happen at Celebration Church. But, but any, in other churches, well, people don't. What are you sowing? The spies were sowing discontent and fear, and they, they certainly reaped it. But you know what else they reaped? God held them responsible for the climate they created, and he killed them. He allowed the pestilence to come and take them out, all 10. And 40 years of wilderness journey as a result of it. You can waste your time going around in the journey in the wilderness and never obtain what God has his best for you. He, he went with them, he provided for you know, they had a great, great hike in the journey in, in the wilderness. Or you can stop hiking out in the wilderness or get into what God's called you to. You can have his presence in both places. It's interesting. His presence went with them in the wilderness. But it was his presence bringing them to judgment. They saw the, uh, uh, this is such a compare and contrast here. They They saw the blessing of the Lord even in their judgment. Think about that. And yet they didn't obtain their promise. They didn't get to where God really wanted them. He brought the next generation in. God will hold you responsible for the climate you create. You can either move into a place of faith or you can stay in fear. But it's really interesting to me that you can have the blessing of God in both places. His fire will go with you. His cloud will go with you. And so will his judgment. Or you can walk in to the promised land, the fullness of what God has intended for you. So interesting to me. I wonder how many people miss out on the fullness. That's what Paul said. I want you to know the fullness. You can go to church. You can live your Christian life and have just enough to get by. You can have your quail. You can have your manna. Or you can have the land flowing with milk and honey. You can you can go about in the wilderness and have your have your shoes, have your blessing you can have the you can have your car and your house and whatever you need to get by. Or you can walk into Canaan and have the fullness. But God will hold you responsible. Lastly, I'll say this. Worship team, you can come on up. I think it's so interesting that god god comes i want you to track them. this is so important god comes and he judges them. he says for 40 40 days they were in the land spying out the land 40 years you'll be judged you'll be in the promise you'll be in the wilderness for 40 years everybody that's here present today will die except for joshua and caleb that it's the end of the story judgment comes and they spin i want you to watch what happens fast forward the clock you know the story Forty years in the wilderness. And what do they do the entire time they're in the wilderness? They whine and complain. For 40 years. The very thing that got them in trouble day one is the thing they keep doing. For 40 years. So much so that God said to Moses, Moses, I'm done. I'll send my angel, but I'm not going. Remember. I mean, this was this was major, their complaints. Systematic problem here, I'd say. Right. They never dealt with the root of the issue. Anyway, so that's what they were dealing with. Can I number seven observation as I say this? Don't waste your time that God's given to you. Yeah. Tell the next generation. Yeah. They knew that the generation that was rising up under them. Was going into the promised land. And instead of celebrating what God was going to bring them into in 40 years. They spent complaining and grumbling. Instead of telling their young. Hey. Remember. So and so spy. From our tribe. He went into the promised land. He saw the promised land. Moses chose him to go in, and he saw it. They brought back fruit. They talked about the land. It was flowing with milk and honey. The city, and tell the story. Instead of telling the story about how to walk into the promise and prepare the next generation, all they did was grumble and complain. Don't miss your moment to tell another generation about the goodness of God. Don't get so stuck. Well, look what God didn't do. <laughs> he said He was going to bring us in the promised land, but now that, yep, we're, we're roaming around for 40 years. Should be back in Egypt. It's so funny. Last night, Zoe and Jonathan were laying in our bed, and they like to lay in our bed to go to sleep, and then we bring them into their room, and blah, 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 We read books, yada, yada, yada. So they're laying in bed. We read their books, and they're just going back and forth with each other. Oh, ah, playing. And Heather told them, y'all need to calm down or you're going to go to your room. And uh, they, you know, of course, they're kids. They kept at it. She leaves to get some peace of mind. (laughs) Leaves me with them. And they're still going. (laughs) They're they're still going at it. I said, listen, y'all need to calm down and go to sleep or you're going in your own room. So I said, you got 30 seconds. I've already told you. Mama's already told you. This is your last chance. And I was really feeling very compassionate because I didn't want to have to get up and move them. (laughs) I'd been working out in the yard for three days and every muscle in my body was hurting. I thought, oh, God, I don't want to have to get up. I'm comfortable. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I said, that's it. Go to your rooms. And what do they do? Wah! They all start crying. Zoe goes off crying to her bedroom. Jonathan goes off crying to his bedroom. He, well, he, did, he wasn't crying. He heard Zoe crying, so he started crying. Because that's what he was supposed to do. Zoe was crying, so he needs to cry. So he goes to his room. <laughs> oh, so I go in with Zoe. Zo- Zoe, why are you crying? You told me I had to go to my room. I don't want to go to my room. You told me I had to go to my room. I said, Zoe, I told you that if you didn't, quiet down. This was bedtime. You needed to calm down, quiet down, go to sleep. And I said, if you didn't, you were going to your room. It's your fault that you're in your room, right? (laughs) Yeah, but I want to be... I said, but I told you that if you didn't, you were going to your room, right? Yeah. So she... "Ah!" So (laughs) I go down... So I go down to Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan's got his fake tears and everything going. I said, Jonathan, why are you crying? Because <laughs> I want to be in your room. Or, you know, whatever he said, you know, something along those lines. Jonathan speak. And I said, buddy, I told you, you if you were going to keep at it, you were going to go to your room. And you did. Well, I want to be. And, you know, he's trying to cry, but he's not really crying. He's trying because he heard sissy. I'm like, oh my goodness, she's down the hall, ah, still sobbing, so he's trying to be like her, so I go down to her, her room and say, Zoe, stop crying, or I'm going to beat you. Because <laughs> I know she's just revving him up, so she comes down goes back to, I mean, this. I'm like, dear Lord, why didn't y'all just go to sleep? So anyway, they finally, literally after that episode, they all go to sleep. We're having earthquakes or apparently something's happening. The building's shaking. So anyway, uh, get them quiet. So all that to say, aren't we just like that? God said, I told you you can have your promise. I told you you could walk into the promised land, but you wanted to keep doing it your way. You wanted to keep <laughs> You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Why don't you stand at your feet this Thank you for joining the celebration podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so wonderful.